All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Cuatro Cuatro Dos. Once again, this is your boy Christian, and today uh, I think we are what episode seventy four, seventy five. So we're like right there, about to get to the three quarter mark of one hundred. So it's very, very exciting. Um, seventy five, seventy five episodes of Cuatro Cuatro Dos. That's very crazy. That means that I've spent at least twenty minutes. 75 different times to talk to a microphone and you guys are here listening so thank you and shout out to everybody that's listening shout out to everybody out there don't forget you can check us out on twitter on facebook cuatro cuatro dos cuatro dos you know whatever each one is or whatever and you can find myself at chris putalias as well so um today we're going to talk about three different things that i wanted uh just to give a mention of the three kids. Well, I guess we can call them kids, but they're like teenagers, almost men, and I guess in some cultures. Um, but Brian, Alanis, Luis Moreno, Andre, Gitao, Gitao, from the the Dynamo Academy are have been called up to the U.S. U17. So shout out to those three boys, to those three guys, to those three young men that will be representing the United States um, in the U17. And they'll be representing Houston as well. So shout out to those guys, you know, keep up the good work, guys. And uh, we're all, you know, behind you, you know, uh, supporting, you know, anybody that's, you know, wearing the, the H on their chest. You know, if you go support the United States, you know, we'll support you too. So shout out to those three guys. And we can't wait to see what, you know, what the future holds for you guys. So, you know, this is the first first stepping stone into a, a hopefully you know a long career in this in the soccer world uh another thing that obviously that everybody has been talking about which is like a, the news of the town basically it is the welcoming back of pat onstad and pat onstad is going to be our new gm um today was it no yesterday actually on two on monday uh november 1st he was you know presented as the new GM, the official new GM of this Houston Dynamo. And uh, everybody, you know, in the club and outside of the club and previous club uh, personnel, I guess we could say like that, we're very excited to hear the news that Pat Onstad, you know, is coming back. And, you know, a lot of, you know, old fans are super excited of Pat, you know, about Pat and a lot of new fans that heard, you know, all the great things that Pat has done for the club are very excited as well. And not only because we are fans, but only because we saw what he can do as a GM. You know, if we look back to Columbus, we saw that he was able to achieve a championship with them after a while. So, you know, we're looking forward to hopefully have that same type of luck and uh, commitment and, you know, and everything that comes with it. And hopefully get, you know, a new championship. So, shout out to Pat. You know, welcome back to the city. Welcome back to Houston. And we can't wait to, like, you know, have you, you know, in the city. And, you know, one of these days we can have you on the Dynamo Theory, you know, podcast network. And, you know, we can chat with you or something. So, hopefully next season we'll be able to, you know, there's there's some news uh, that I'm not going to say. But there's some really good news that are being worked on as we speak. Uh, for next year so you know hopefully you guys can be you know part of that as well so uh, I'm just gonna leave it right there and then you know in the next few weeks we're, we're gonna be working on uh, on something better and amazing uh, for you know Dynamo Theory uh, 
So hopefully you guys can stick around and, you know, continue to support the Houston Dynamo, especially now that, you know, everything seems to be going for the best. You know, new owner, new GM, and what everybody wants to talk about is uh, coaching, you know. I think that's like the big talk of the town as well. Today I kind of, you know, dropped it out there uh, after hearing uh, Tab Ramos talk in the press conference about, you know, this this upcoming game, upcoming game against Montreal. Um, I don't know. To me, you know, like I said on Twitter, you know, I'm very excited about Tab Ramos. I, I like him, not only as a person, but I think tactically he could provide or he has been providing something better than we have seen in the past. I know a lot of you completely disagree with me, which is completely fine. And also, you know, I try to put myself in your shoes and, you know, I can see where where you can come up with that. Like, it's not like that I'm blind enough to like not realize that we had a 16 game not winning streak. We didn't have a 16-game losing streak. We had a 16-game not winning streak. But before I go on with that, I just wanted to say that um, Thursday, uh, Pat Onstead is going to be at on the Glenn Davis Show on Talking Matters. And then also, I think November 8th, on a Monday, there's going to be a press conference, or not a press conference, but a, a, question, a Q&A with Pat Onstead at Pitch 25. I think it's at 6.30 p.m. So, you know, all, all of you guys that want to, you know, I think we should do something to like welcome them back. I don't know if you know if any search listeners or search guys are listening, or if any Texan Army guys or El Batashon guys. But you know, I'll, I'll put myself down to to be one of those those guys to like you know I don't know do something uh, outside of pitch twenty five to like you know get the band together or like you know sing or chant or something to kind of welcome Pat back you know outside of pitch twenty five. You know, for when he gets there and then, you know, whenever, you know, it's time to go inside and ask questions, you know, we can go and ask questions or whatever. But it will be a nice thing to do to kind of welcome back one of the legends of the club. So I don't know. You guys let me know. Obviously, you guys have the, the numbers. So, you know, but I'm down. I'll put myself down if you guys want to do something like that uh, on November 8th. Um, which is a Monday, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Pat On said basically what he was talking about was uh, some of the things that he mentioned on the press conference was about how he wanted a team to be. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, somebody asked him about, you know, what kind of team he's looking to form or to, like, put together. And he was talking about, you know, a high-pressing team, a high-intensity team, a team, obviously, that wants to win and, and stuff like that, which is very interesting because... Whenever Tab Ramos always talks about what kind of teams he wants, he basically kind of talks about the same thing. Uh, you know, a team that presses, a team that's high intensity for the 90 minutes. Of course, you know, we play in a freaking uh, desert sometimes, you know, with this heat and just humidity and stuff. Even though deserts are probably dry. Um, I, you know, I can see, you know, how hard, sometimes it may be hard to press in a full 90 minutes and stuff like that. But, you know... And I'm not saying that it, it can be done, but I'm not saying, obviously, that, you know, we could probably give a good 60, 70 minutes of, like, high-pressing, you know, good intensity, high-intensity soccer. But, you know, but then again, I, I just sit down. You know, I'm not out there running. But uh, a, a list, I guess, uh, pre prelimin prelimin ooh, that's a hard word. Preliminary? Preliminary? Say that three times fast. Preliminary. Preliminary? preliminary that's my attempt uh but a preliminary list 
um, the Paras that it had or said or that it was mentioned on the on the Twitterverse by um, Corey. Shout out to Corey. Uh, I forget his last name, but you know one of the the best reporters, soccer reporters out there for the Houston Chronicle. I was going to say for the Houston Animal, for the Houston Chronicle. Uh, he mentioned uh, Vera being on the list, Fafa, Parker, Teenage, uh, Zarek, Valentin, uh, Lundy, Coco, and Dorsey are like the players that are for sure coming back, which is a very, very good list for me in my eyes. Um, so that means that we basically have our, our starting, you know, lineup in the back. You know, Parker, Teenage in the middle, Zarek on the right, Lundy on the left. Uh, Coco, I think he has been a great addition to the team. Uh, Dorsey has, you know, I think he has won the position that he holds. And Vera, I mean, he's always like, you know, top-notch player since the beginning to like the last. You know, I think it's one of those players that, you know, anybody could be happy to have him on their team. So I'm glad he's, a, you know, he's a Dynamo player. But that's the list that Pat Onstad had either put together or like at least the players that he mentioned by name. Um, that he kind of wants to keep and have and or like emulate when it comes to intensity or like or you know whatever it may be uh and then oh, Fafa I think I, I didn't mention him but Fafa you know he's another player that you know he, since he's been here he's been chasing every ball down and everything like that and um so you know I'm very excited to see how everything kind of you know gets together i know that we still have a game which is going to be played wednesday so this is probably coming out on wednesday so today uh later later i think either 6 30 or 8 30 tonight uh we're playing club the club the foot montreal or club montreal the foot i don't know whatever the name is is in french who knows uh but we're playing them the the snowflakes from uh vancouver no from montreal isn't their name um and obviously they're playing for something. We're playing for nothing. Ty Ramos, uh, I just saw on Twitter that he actually didn't even take uh, Quinteros, Quintero. Uh, so that's another interesting thing to see because you know in the beginning of the year he wasn't playing, then he was kind of like a starter. So and you guys would know exactly how I feel about him, but you know also you can't deny the fact that he's been playing really really good. So he's one of those players that you kind of want to have. I didn't get to watch the Colorado game, unfortunately. I was at work. Uh, and I, I really don't know how he did. But I don't think... I, what I heard is that the team played good. But obviously, it wasn't good enough because we did lose 2-0. So, obviously, you know, it it doesn't matter. Like like I'm going to say towards the end when, I'm, when I start talking about Tab Ramos. It doesn't matter how you play. You know, the results are basically what matters at the end. You know, nobody cares. If you're the best team, you know, soccer-wise, if you're always going to be last, you know, everybody remembers the champion, not, you know, the team that played better in the final type thing, you know. Um, but something that is also very uh, interesting or intriguing to me that is going to be happening next, next season is the U23 tournament. So basically, it's going to be a, like a parallel tournament to the MLS it's going to be an under-23 tournament that all these... Uh, basically, I think every MLS team is going to have a, a, a U23, an under-23 uh, like team. And they're all going to compete like if it was like an MLS season. Which is basically what they do in most countries. Or at least, I know for a fact in Argentina, they have like a reserva, what they call it. So basically, it's like they play the day before 
uh, like the first team plays basically. And it's basically all the players that are, you know, about to move up or if you have like teams in the in the first team that are injured or and you're trying to get them back into like, you know, game ready uh, fit or whatever, uh, you know, they, they play there for a few games to get to get game ready. And then, you know, obviously they move up and, you know, it's just like a good stepping stone for for clubs to have like a literally a team of reserves you know for whatever the reason may be you can always call one of those guys up so that's going to be a really good interesting uh thing to have you know i think they already have a u23 kind of tournament going on but it's not as like fluent i guess is the word i don't i don't think it's the word but they don't play as many games um as like you know an mls team professional team you know would play i don't think they play 34 you know games in a year um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that one was formed. I didn't read too much about it, but I know it's going to be like kind of similar to, to a regular MLS season. So hopefully it is like that. Um, I probably should have read a little bit more about it, but it is what it is. We're already here. But then going into the um, into like the real, real, or not the real, real reason why I'm doing this episode, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about, which is I think I've talked about it, a gazillion times, but I'm going to talk about it one more time. It is uh, Tab Ramos. And, you know, a couple of the things that you guys mentioned today, you know, were made sense, you know, and I, and I agree with them, even though I still want Tab Ramos to kind of stay in Houston. And I think um, Victor, I don't know, Victor Araxa from the Striker, Texas, I don't know if he was kind of backing me up. I or, or whatever, you know, however y'all want to take that. But, you know, he basically, you know, said, you know, sometimes it's just better to kind of keep what you have. He, I guess he was talking about coaching-wise, you know, and, and instead of trying to, like, bring something new and start again, you know, fresh. Because one of the things, that's one of the things that, you know, one of the points, let's just say we get rid of Tap Ramos right now, right? And we bring a new coach uh, at the end of the season, you know, because... Tab Ramos has a contract till December, so let's just say that, you know, he gets relieved of his duties, you know, after this Montreal game, you know, thank you so much, you know, have a, have a good life, basically, and, you know, we'll see you someday, and we hire a new coach, so this new coach is going to have only, what, two and a half months to, like, get a, get a team ready, because, you know, they have vacations, well, I guess four months, you know, so you'll have, like, the rest of November, December, January, February, and then in March, usually that's when teams get back on, and you know you have your preseason games. Well, you know, usually the MLS season starts you know late February, early March. So by January, you're already doing preseason stuff. So like you know, it's only a few months. Uh, but I think actually this season might start in April, so we might have a little extra time. But but still, like you know, the 2022 season, you're gonna go in with a coach. You know, with a fresh new coach, with players that obviously he did not ask for, or maybe he does want, but maybe he doesn't. But well, I guess which is the reality of every you know new coach into a team, you know, basically. So obviously it's nothing new, but you know it's kind of like a rebuilding process of like getting this team that Tab was kind of building in a way. You know, he didn't get to build it a hundred percent, I believe, because of the previous you know ownership management and and everything that came you know the the last you know years you know with with matt jordan 
with having Gabriel Brenner as the owner. So, like, you know, the team has been, it's like, it's been chronic, like, it was a chronic, like, what's it called when you're like, it's like a chronic injury type thing. Like, it's like a sickness that, you know, they had in little, like, as the time went by, you know, we just kept getting worse and worse as a club. And, like, you can see it, you know, from, like, the beginning when, you know, whatever, whenever Jordan picked up. And and you can see, like, the deterioration, you know, of of the club. And maybe we got, like, a surgery, like, a major surgery to kind of relieve the discomfort, you know. And, what, 2018, we got a U.S. Open Cup, you know. And, yeah, we felt great for a few months. And then, you know, the, the the, the sickness, the chronic illness just kind of kept on going and you know, and it got to a point where we were like on life support and and somebody had to come in and, and basically save the club, you know, and that's what, even though Gabriel Brenner is still like a minority owner um, Ted Siegel is like that life support that just kind of came in and just woof, revived us, kind of gave us an, another chance to live and you know he was able to find the, the, the new medicine and I guess and Pat Onstad you know, bring in something else, something new that we knew of that's probably going to make this team better. Man, this is a great analogy, by the way. So if you're not listening to this analogy, it's a great analogy. Me, well, I was going to say me and Jesus for parables are great, but I'm not here comparing myself to Jesus, but I'm just saying, you know, it's a good analogy, parable, whatever you might call it. But, um, but yeah, keep going with my chronic illness. So the chronic illness, you know, it just kind of, you know, it, it, Obviously, it erupted in those 16 games that we didn't win a goddamn thing. Like, we couldn't win a game to save our lives. And it was 16, 16 games that basically... And I understand that, you know, maybe Matt Jordan left in, the, in, like, in the middle of that. And then I guess we can blame it on Tab Ramos. But then, like I was saying also on Twitter, like... A lot of those games were winnable games. A lot of those games were games that we could have tied. A lot of those games were games that we could have won. And, you know, luck wasn't on our side. Or there was, like, individual mistakes that you can literally pinpoint to and say, like, you know, if this guy would have done uh, one move completely different to what he did, instead of kicking it with his right, he would have kicked it with his left. You know, we would have won the game. And it was just, like, little things like that that made the game go, you know, sideways. You know, that we lost, that we tied. And, and it could have been completely different. And... And and I completely understand when you guys say, you know, it taps almost fall and and you know in some games and, and I I am with you in some games, you know, substitutions were like super late. It's like why are you making one substitution in a game that requires more? You know, why are you waiting till minute eighty two to make your first substitution of the game? Not we that we are not, you know, in quotation marks expert we knew what the team needed more than him at some point you know which is very questionable because you're like dude like you're the coach you know what about your assistant coaches they're not telling you like is it possible that everybody else in the stands knows more than the coaching staff i mean you know not to diminish you know what they've done you know but it's one of those questionable things that were like you know when we were at that austin game and we saw the lineup and we were like wait seren is playing again like after all the, you know, after all the fuck ups, after all the mess ups, he's back on the like on the on the starting eleven, and then and you're like, wait, Marco Marriage is again on the starting eleven, even though, you know, uh, Nelson has been doing great, and you know Marco, 
I mean, I don't know, dude. He he's not bad. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not. I'm not. But he did make some mistakes that changed the, you know, the flow of games. Sometimes there were some games that you know his mistakes literally led to us losing. And you know, I'm not gonna blame all the games on him. But you know, it's one of those things that you know, it's like, do we really need an international goalkeeper? You know, it's just it's like different things that could have happened differently. I don't know. Um. But yeah, like we were in Austin and we were like, okay, why is Lasseter coming in as a sub when any of anybody else could have probably done a better job? I mean, we saw Lasseter, like we saw him come, we saw him score two goals, and then we just saw Lasseter just kind of go downhill. Even though he did cost the goal, you know, for us, but was it a really dangerous cross, honestly? Was it really dangerous? I mean... If it wasn't for the Austin guy just kind of, you know, hit, bouncing off his knee, I, I don't think we would have scored, you know, if the ball would have went through, honestly. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you like, what, like, who's making these decisions? Like, you know, you know, this is a derby, right? Like, we have to win this game. And you're putting in Lasseter out of all the other options that you had? You know, why is Coco Carasquilla coming in so late in the game? He's a game changer. Why don't you put him in? You know, in the press conference, you said he's a 60-minute player, you know, because he's still coming back. Why is he only playing the last 30 when we're down to the... You know, this is... And like I said, I understand completely, you know, what you guys are saying. But also, I need you to... Well, it's not that I need you to understand, but I want you to understand where I'm coming from when I say maybe we can give Ty Ramos... And I'm not saying the whole season... I'm not saying give him the whole 2022, you know, year. Just give him half a year. Give him seven to seven to ten games of 2022. If in seven to twenty, you know, if he doesn't have a positive, like, you know, win, I don't know, win four out of seven of the first seven. If he can't do that, then yeah, give him the boot, and and I'll back up Ted Siegel and Pat Onstad on that decision. And, and let's bring somebody else, you know, that can finish off and then, you know, we can start rebuilding again, start fresh again. But why, you know, kind of break whatever he is trying to work on, you know, right now when he's, you know, he's also in the middle of like a rebuilding, you know, we honestly, let's be, you know, hand, hand to your heart. Can you really blame him for 2020? You know, came in first year. A weird into like a weird tournament, which you know we know that he probably had experience, and, and and even in that tournament we had bad luck. You know we we lost those games. Uh, I think it was against Portland and maybe like LA Galaxy that we should have won, but it was like stupid mistakes and we lost them in like the last minutes. And you know that was literally the chance of us moving into the second round, into the knockout stages or whatever. Um, and then this was like the first real season, but then again. Like Bruce Arena said, you know, can you really give, you know, a team a community shield award when they don't really play all the all the teams in the league? You know, how how do they know? I mean, I don't know if New England played LAFC, but for or or I think they played Seattle. But let's just say they, they didn't play like they didn't play Houston, for example. I mean I'm not saying we were gonna beat New England, but you know, how do you know how do we know New England can come to Houston and beat Houston in Houston, you know? Like in a hot, you know, summer day type thing. You know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying we're, we're good enough to beat New England because obviously they're at, like literally at the top, top, top. And we're at the bottom, bottom, bottom. 
But, you know, it's one of those things that you don't know. Like, these games have to be played. You know, Houston has to go to New England, to Toronto, to Montreal, to all these places that are cold. And, you know, we're going to have to fight it, you know. We have to go to Miami. We have to go to, you know, Philadelphia. Like, we have to go to these environments where we're going to be, you know, be tried and see what we're made of. Like, you know, what? why do we have to play Minnesota, like, four times? And Dallas, three, you know, Austin, three times, like... Obviously, we need it. I mean, it should be easier, honestly, for Tab Ramos, you know, because you're playing the same teams. But then again, like, you know, I want to see the, the full league, you know, be competing against every single team in the league. And I know even on the regular leagues, you probably miss one or two teams, but that's even better, though, than, you know, not playing literally half of the half of the league, you know. Um so that's one of the things. Uh, another thing that, you know, so 7 to 10 games, give to Tab Ramos. Let him, you know, complete his rebuilding process with a new GM, with a new owner that is willing to put the money down to bring some good quality players and, you know, maybe create a competitive-ass team. I think we were competitive, honestly, even though the results don't show. I think the Houston Dynamo were competitive, but obviously not competitive enough. And one of the things that, you know, that... um I think his name is Sean. I almost forgot there. But yeah, Sean, one of the one of the one of the homies, he was mentioning. He was like, you know, uh, we don't have a good team. Like, you know, like, what's the point of having you know playing with five in the back, and having like for example Lundy or uh, Sam Junqua like very open wide, and having Zach Valentin or Dorsey open wide, you know, and have them attack like like Tab Ramos wants you know, as, a, as wingers and put crosses in when we don't have a number nine, when we don't have a guy that can, you know, jump in the air and, and put those balls in. You know, we have uh, Urruti, who is more like a false nine to me. You know, like, he's going to go in the box, but he's not going to be a header. Like, Fafa is more of a, a header guy than, you know, Urruti, who is supposed to be your number nine, you know. And the only number nine that we had, we sold. You know, we got, we got rid of him and we sold, the, we sold him to Scotland where he's been scoring number nine goals, you know, left and right. You know, I think he has like six, seven goals already. Obviously, Fafa scored more, but, you know, um, Fafa's goals have been more of his own merit at times than, you know, than what uh, Christian Ramirez has been scoring, which is like more number nine goals, you know. But, you know, that's just my opinion. We don't have a number nine. I know number nines nowadays are are not probably the same thing as it was before but you know we don't have a, a, a player that we're like you know that guy's gonna play in the box that guy's gonna take another thing that Sean was saying there's no people that go one-on-ones anymore and the only person that we had one-on-one was Quintero and he wasn't even playing and you know and God knows what's gonna happen because he's not even going to Montreal anymore so it's like you know Quintero wants to stay he has said multiple times that he wants to stay in Houston but you know, is he in the plans of the coaching staff? Is he really wanted? You know, if he was wanted, he would have played every game. I mean, he's quality. He's a quality player. But is is he DP level, to be honest? I mean, I don't know. Some people, I, I mean, obviously he's our best player. But I, me personally, I, I wouldn't have him on my, I mean... Yes, I would have him because obviously, like right now in in this Houston Dynamo, yes, I would have him all the time on the field, because he is the best player on the field. 
but I think we could get something better. I think we, I don't I don't I don't know. I think I I just don't like him. I don't like I love the fact that he's really good and he can create and he can score and everything else. I just don't like I don't know. There's something about him that I just it doesn't like click fully. And and that's just my opinion personally. But I know everybody loves him, and I love the fact that he's good, you know, for our team. But that's just me. And then the other one that could be a one-on-one person is uh, Coco, Coco Carrasquilla. And Tab Ramos has been using him as, like, a, a defensive mid. You know, at times, he would have Vera, Vera be more of a offensive mid and have Coco as a, more of a defensive mid, uh, which would baffle my mind, but, you know... And the plan of Tav Ramos was like, well, give him, he can get the ball kind of way back and kind of move forward better. And then Vera can be like the first line of defense type thing. But, you know, when he explains it, it makes sense. But when you see it and you're like, what the, f- why is Coco behind Vera? It makes no sense. Um, let's see. Um, well, yeah, coaching side. So, like I said, you know, imagine if we get another coach, uh, he's coming in zero, like, to a new team, obviously he's gonna have to find a new strategy or or keep on going with the same strategy. But it's it's gonna be I think it's gonna be harder than just keeping Ty Ramos. And like I said, give him seven to ten games, and then you know if if we can't do anything about that, then then yeah, let's move on to to the next person. Um, and then to kind of close this point uh, that I'm trying to make here is um, I think that I was telling uh, Chris on Twitter was like okay so you know at one point at one point where do we start blaming players instead of coaches or do we always blame coaches you know instead of players and I know he's a Tonham Tonham or however you say in the British language <laughs> a Tonham uh, supporter and you know they just fired their coach because obviously he wasn't getting results and they brought a new coach in but it's like at one point in time do we start blaming you know, when do we blame the players for not, like, you know, you know, putting their 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 energy, their the balls in the game, basically? When when do we start saying like, hey, bro, like, you guys are not playing? I understand if like tactically, the coach was asking for something that did not fit the team, and you're like, well, yeah, that, like it makes no sense. Why would we play defensive when when we have really great attackers? You know, why would we play, you know, a certain way when now, what would we play? I don't know. Uh, like, why would Barcelona play only counterattack when, you know, back in the tiki-taka days, when they had great players like, you know, Iniesta, Xavi, Messi, Pujol, uh, you know, players that knew how to play with the ball on their feet. Why would they play counterattack? Why would they sit back on their left, on their third block or whatever, other defensive block and just wait for counters? You know, that is stupid. You know, you would say... You know, you would say Pep Guardiola is crazy. Like, why would he do that? Like, he's dumb. But no, like, that's the thing about Pep Guardiola. You know, he has a style and he plays with that style. And he gets players that play his style of, like, ball possession, ball movement. You know, uh, I can't think of his name right now. But it's the red-headed guy for Manchester City. You know, he's the one that controls the team, basically. Like, he's the, he's the one that mo- mo- moves, the, the, moves the ball around. And then he has the, the left-footed guy. And basically, those are the two guys that kind of play the whole team. You know, they make Grealish play. They make uh, all the other players. I don't even know their names, to be honest. Uh, you know, they make the team play. They make, you know, Manchester City what, what you know, Pep Guardiola wants them to be. 
and and if they have a you know and if they have a bad game but they they played you know Pep Guardiola's tactic you know and you're like well, you know why are we playing like this when it's not working you know then we would blame Pep Guardiola but if the team wasn't producing and they were playing like you know tactically it was a good tactic and you know they were doing good or whatever like for example the, like to bring it back to home like the dynamos would often outshoot their their opponents like there was games with like 20 shots on goal there was games with like 15 you know to 20 shots on goal and you're like bro we can't put a ball on the, on frame like shots on goal you know were like on on frame and out of frame but it's like bro at one point can we have our players shoot in you know at least on frame like that's on the players that's that's on them like we can't blame you know Tab Ramos of because of because they can't shoot you know we can't blame uh Tab Ramos because Sedan you know was a hothead and he threw an elbow and he kind of changed the game when we went to Austin the first time you know we can't blame Tab Ramos for you know Sam Junqua being young and making mistakes and and maybe we can be because he's putting a young guy you know for for th- you know for throwing him in there but you know it's one of those things that you know you just kind of like there's or you can't blame him for Marco Marriage like doing a stupid pass you know when he gets the ball you know from one of the defenders instead of blasting it out he tries to be fancy with it or or gives a bad pass or you know you can't blame uh, Tabramos for a ball I think when we went to Colorado the first time or or um or we also like and the there was like a ball put on the back of Lundy and and I think Figueroa and the the player you know their forward beat both of them it's like you can't blame Tab Ramos when you know those two players have to be alert of those things you know um i mean i guess you can make the the argument of like well you know if we're high pressing we're high on the field but it was like a ball that it was very announced and i don't know it's one of those things that you're like dude like you can't miss those things you know it was personal mistakes and that was the reason why Lundy stopped playing and Sam Junko got more time and at that time i don't know if you guys remember but it was like personal reasons that the team was losing and and that i could see that you know and i think everybody could but obviously when the team doesn't get results everybody's going to go to the to the coach which which is understandable but you know it's like when do we start blaming players when do we start blaming coaches or like when when do we stop blaming the coaching staff um i know at the end of the day Tab Brown was himself on the press conference would say that you know he would take the blame for everything even for personal mistakes you know that players would say and he wouldn't even call them out you know he would just say you know mistakes were made you know he was he was a big of enough person i guess or a coaching or leader or whatever to say you know we as a team or me as a coach you know made mistakes or whatever but he would never call out like a specific player a specific play even though everybody in the world knew that you know a specific player a specific play you know changed the whole trajectory of the game you know per se um but yeah that that's just what I, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to like explain or whatever but obviously on twitter it gets very hard uh and then strategy wise to kind of close it down i think we have a better strategy a lot of people you know obviously i didn't like the woman cabrera like just counterattack with um with Elise and Kyoto on each or either side. I completely understand how it's more exciting to see because obviously a, a lot more uh, of more scoring opportunities came from counterattacks and obviously from having two fast ass dudes on on either side. Um 
in, in, and then you have a number nine like Maura Manotas just waiting there to score basically from those crosses. You know, that's a true number nine. I, I mean, honestly, I would bring Maura Manotas back. You know, fuck it. We're rebuilding. Why not bring a number nine back to, to the city? Number nine. I mean, hey, Pat said if you're listening, Maura Manotas, number nine. I mean, I, I noticed in the new list you didn't have Urruti. I have nothing against Urruti, but, you know, he had a rough year. You know, we have Fafa on one side. We have Dorsey and Dorsey on the other. Uh, you know, Lundy can play kind of behind Fafa. I mean, hear me out, you know. I don't know I don't know how good he's doing in Mexico, but, you know, maybe now that we're rebuilding and we're trying to put Houston back on the map and we're building a great team to actually compete. Uh, the, the reason Mauro Manotas left is because we couldn't compete with the ship. So obviously I'm gonna go to a better league, you know, or or at least a league that's more competitive, which is the Mexican league. You know, why would I stay in a team that is basically you know bottom of the table every year? So now that we're rebuilding, why not bring a number nine like Mauro Manotas? You know, bring a proven goal scorer like Mauro Manotas and just set him in the center and let him score. I don't know, just an idea, but who am I, right? Uh, but strategy, yeah, just basically the whole ball possession, the ball ball movement, having Vera, having Coco, having maybe bringing in another. I mean, like I said, Memo maybe he's on his way out. Corona, I don't think was the greatest or as good as we thought he would be. Derek Jones, I don't know what happened there, but maybe another like center midfielder, maybe Quintero if he stays, I guess. Uh, but I need more more somebody to distribute the ball a little bit more. Maybe Coco can be that. Maybe Vera can be that. But we would need another like defensive mid, in my opinion, or, or attacking mid to kind of hold it down in the middle and, and see what's up. But I think, you know, the team is kind of almost set. You know, you, you, you just need team. You just need guys to come and compete for every line, for every, you know, spot, you know, a competitor. And also for depth, because that's one of the biggest struggles that we have, have dealt with, was depth. Um, and I think once we have that, I think the strategy of like, you know, being a, a, an attacking and pressing team, I think, I mean, that's the strategy that, you know, Tyrone is going for. And I think that's, that's what a pot, Pat Onstead wants. So, you know, I think we're on the verge of creating something good. We just kind of have to put it into practice and probably get a few more names and, and get rid of, of some names that, you know, just, you know, that is, it's just time, you know? So, but yeah, man, that was everything. One last thing, shout out to Bonnie Garcia, my boy, my presidente. You know, I wish he could stay here forever. Um, I know, you know, some things have to come to an end sometimes, so I think he's retiring, but I think it would be beautiful. He just stays, you know, as part of the club, you know, doing whatever. But, you know, shout out to... Bonnie Garcia if he decides to retire this year or, or whatever but other than that thank you guys thank you for sticking out for so long I know I talked for for a long time but hopefully you guys understand what I'm trying to say with these whole Tab Ramos you know at least giving him another 7 to 10 game chance to kind of prove himself or, or, or to see you know and honestly I'll be the first one to say you know after the 10 games if he hasn't done well I'll be I'll come on the podcast and say hey you know it's time for for tab out, you know. So, other than that, uh, it's just it. Christian out, I guess. Y'all have a good one.